I hope you had a good weekend. Beginning of another week, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Jeremy Cordo. Peter Clayton is with us. We're in the garage. It is the Court of Public Opinion. And I know that if it's the first time you're seeing this, you might find it strange to have a kind of a television program called the Court of Public Opinion coming out of a garage. But, you know, open your mind. All sorts of things can happen. You think laterally. One of the things we do is to have a look at some of the uh, anniversaries and events of the years gone by in a vain attempt to learn something from history, knowing full well that mostly we learn nothing from history. Um, and oh yes, before I get messages, I, I, I intend to get a haircut. I intend to this week. <laughs> look, at my age, I'm grateful to have hair. God. People are picky. January the 30th, Gene Hackman, 1930. He was born 1930. Uh, Bonnie and Clyde, uh, The Conversation, don't know that. Um, the French Connection, I know that. Uh, and a thing he did called Prime Cut, which you may or may not have seen. Very violent movie, but a great actor. And Superman, of course. Gene Hackman, Elvis Presley records his cover version of Carl Perkins' Blue Suede Shoes. And of course outsells, outsells Carl Perkins, who with, of course, Luther Perkins were much more involved in country music. In fact, uh, people who were backing Johnny Cash for years and years and years. Sidney Sheldon, the American novelist, Masters of the Game, uh, 2007. He dies at the age of 89, Sidney Shelton. I remember talking to him several times. Every time he had a book, and he was a very prolific author, I think there was a, a new Sidney Shelton book out every couple of years. Very, very good interview, Sidney Shelton. I remember that. The state funeral for Winston Churchill at St. Paul's Cathedral in London, the world's largest ever state funeral. I can imagine that. 1965 was the year the Beatles performed their last live gig. Uh, 42 minutes, a concert on the roof of the Apple Corporation headquarters in London on this day in 1969. Never got together, publicly anyway, ever again. <coughs> Phil Collins, the British Oscar Grammy award-winning, Brit award-winning rock, drummer, pop, singer, <laughs> multi-talented fellow he was, Genesis, uh, I Can't Dance in the Air Tonight Against All Odds, and he was, as I say, a great actor as well, uh, 1951, uh, he was born in England, Patty Andrews, the American pop idol, well, when I say pop, I don't think they had pop idols, really all that much in the 1940s, but if they were having them, I'm sure she'd be involved. A, a sort of a swinging jazz singer. The Andrews sisters, of course, Patty Andrews, Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy from Company B, and Rum and Coca-Cola. She dies at 94 on this day in 2013. Elmer Rubik applies for a patent for his, he called it the Magic Cube. His invention, later become known and world famous, for Rubik's Cube. Rubik's Cube. 
1873, Around the World in 80 Days by Jules Verne is published. And what do we do it now in 80 seconds or something? Anyway, I Fall to Pieces, the single released by Patsy Cline. The year was 1961. I Fall to Pieces. She was great, Patsy Cline. Very sad life though, Patsy Cline. The Mutual Broadcasting Network begins airing Late Night with Larry King on this day in 1978. It began on uh, Miami radio, Miami in Florida. And of course, he beginning of a wonderful, wonderful career. I mentioned to you, he, uh, the anniversary of his death was only the other day. I saw him on Craig Ferguson. He had, a, Craig Ferguson had a sort of a late night uh, tonight program, but it was so late, you could almost call it a morning program, uh, one o'clock in the morning or something. But Larry King was often a guest with uh, Craig Ferguson. And he was just great, Larry King, a total professional. Got to admire people who can do that as well as he could. And he pointed out several times that he was 80 years old. And I swear you look at him and he, you thought, thought he would be 50, 50, or maybe 60 tops. Must have good genes, I would think. Um, what else can I tell you? Orville Wright, American aviator, dies at 76, 1948. The Wright brothers, of course. And, oh yeah, um, Betsy Ross, American seamstress, widely credited with having made the first American flag. Dies at the age of 84, 1836 was the year. Anyway, if you're celebrating the day, having a day of celebration, Day of Remembrance or whatever. I hope it's going to be a, a good day, a worthwhile day. Uh, just apropos absolutely nothing, but this, so much stuff goes under the radar, and I don't really know why, when so much silly stuff seems to make it onto the radar. Um, this is not earth-shattering, mind you, but it's a little accolade for South Australia. Australia's 10 best beaches they do an annual report. What changes from year to year, I don't really know, but uh, this year, it's worth mentioning that uh, we got the gong. Stokes Bay, which I've never heard of. Have you heard of it, Pete? Yeah, I did a postcard of Stokes Bay. Ah! They're beautiful. Well, it is, the, according to this, the most beautiful beach in Australia. It's on Kangaroo Island. Yeah, and you, you have to go through this little crevice to get into the beach. Ah, That's yes, good. I think I've seen, I think I've seen that. Stokes Bay on Kangaroo Island, top the annual list. Uh, it beat contenders from New South Wales, Victoria, Queensland, the Gold Coast, Christmas Island. The gong for the best beach in Australia has gone to the little known South Australian natural beauty after it knocked out the popular favourites vying for the top spot. Uh, Stokes Bay. And it beat almost 12,000 beaches nationwide to be crowned the best in the country. Congratulations. I don't know if anyone lives at Stokes Bay, but what it does for tourism, I don't know. Maybe it'll, too many tourists would spoil it. Uh, I mentioned on Friday that uh, I would, uh, we ran out of time as we always do, but they were putting together a committee to try and find some way to make it safer for people to use dating apps. 
And I couldn't really understand what this committee was going to possibly do or come up with. I don't understand it. How can you make dating apps safe or safer? It's always been, to me, the closest thing to somebody playing Russian roulette that you can think of. You go out with or you meet with or you have a complete stranger in your home or your apartment on the off chance that he or she might be Miss Wright or Mr. Wright. But you don't know, it could just as easily be Jack the Ripper. And sadly, it sometimes is. I mean, who would take the risk? And how could you possibly make that safer? The trouble is, of course, loneliness. It's a very big problem in our community and probably every community, but hard to understand when you've got eight billion people on the face of the planet. Hardly room for us all, let alone room for us to be lonely. Uh, but a lot of people are, and I'm sorry for that. I remember Mum used to say to Christopher and me, learn to enjoy your own company. And I've always remembered that. If you do that and you've got a good book or some nice music, or better still, like Pete, you can play your own music, you're never going to be lonely. It's funny how we remember the things that our mothers said. Others and fathers are sometimes quite coincidentally or casually influential to the point where you remember the stuff that you've been told all your life. All your life. Congratulations, by the way, to everyone who got an Australia Day honour, a gong. Congratulations. Uh, a lot more women this time. Uh, there are reports still around, I'm sad to see, 150 deaths a week, something like that, in cities like uh, Sydney and Melbourne from COVID. This awful thing is still with us. 1,400 new cases in South Australia. That's down on the previous week, which was over 2,000. But it's still out there. I wonder why they don't just promote more aggressively the business of wearing masks. It's not a certain protection, but at least it is something. You might remember that I reported to you the newly elected federal Labor government pledged to cut expensive consultants and unnecessary things like too much travel, government advertising, advertising that the government paid, well, we pay for, uh, that basically does nothing more than pat the government on the back. And this, we were told, was costing the budget over three billion dollars a year. Now, as I said at the time, very good move, excellent move. The Herald Sun over the weekend reported that the promise to save the budget over three billion dollars by cutting consultants was a sick joke. A sick joke? Or maybe, maybe they just forgot, I suppose. They, that's the um, Herald Sun, suggest that Labour is currently outspending any government of recent times on consultants, advertising and travel. I wonder if these people ever revisit their list of promises. 
just to make sure that they're on track, you know, to deliver them, which of course they hardly ever do. That is the truth. Praise where it's warranted, however, and I think this is praiseworthy. The federal government has deemed that all streaming companies, now I don't know much about streaming companies, I never go there. Channels, TV channels, God, we have enough of them. Paramount Plus, there's Netflix, there's Stan, there's more choice on television than there is time to choose it, let alone view it. Anyway, the government says that it will legislate to make the streaming channels put 20% of their Australian revenue into local production. Very good move. Should have been there probably in the first place. The whole market's worth probably uh, more than $5 billion, I would think. So local producers could look forward to something like half a billion dollars, $500 million, which would make a lot of local TV. Um, well, whether it's good local TV or not, I don't know how you impose a, a kind of a, a catch-all on the money, like you can't waste this money, it's got to be on good productions, but good is in the eye of the beholder. I suppose. The um, Therapeutic Goods Administration say that the shortage of some pharmaceuticals is becoming critical. Critical. How did we get into this situation, I wonder? How did we? Never happened before. Commonly prescribed antibiotics such as amoxicillin some 300 prescriptions, 47 of them deemed to be critically important, are in very short supply. The problem is we are totally dependent on overseas countries, and we shouldn't be. There was a time when we had a wonderful organization called the Commonwealth Serum Laboratories. You might remember them. Then the government of the day, can't remember whether it was Liberal or Labour, decided it would be a very good idea to sell it, privatise it. And they did. These days, CSL, as it's called, is one of the best performing companies on the Australian stock market. Because Australia is an expensive place to manufacture anything, most of the pharmaceuticals that we use and need are manufactured overseas. And because Australia is only 2% of the global market, we are simply not important. That is the truth. That's what happens when you allow this kind of vulnerability to creep up on you. It's another case of allowing ourselves or allowing people to force us to be dependent vulnerable to an ever unreliable world. Wonder when we are going to learn. We've got to stop electing governments who make the wrong decisions or bad things, allow bad things to happen. Australia has to be the envy of the world an abundance of food, fish, agriculture, an abundance of energy, 
coal, gas, uranium and all those rare earth minerals so important to modern technology. Yet, I mean, we've got all of this. Yet we're told it's getting harder and harder to make ends meet. There are shortages of this and that. We have to tighten our belts. Now these are either lies or the greatest case of governmental mismanagement the world has ever seen. How does one believe that a country blessed with such abundance and such wealth and such good fortune could find itself facing tough times? Electricity blackouts. Supermarket shelves that are not fully stocked. Pharmaceuticals that are suddenly unavailable. As I say, we've got to start electing governments who have a very keen focus on the best interests of Australia. Nothing else. Nothing else. Thank you for viewing the Court of Public Opinion, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Jeremy Cordo. Pete and I will be back tomorrow. We hope you will be too. Believe in yourself.